Welcome back to another explosive night of the impact of Education Week. This is episode 136. I'm your host, ID3, Friday, Room 3rd. Tonight's talent is Lori Whaley, Buddy Stewart, and Jonah Bryant. Buddy Stewart and Tree Shallow again to the people. Good evening, everybody, and good evening to my esteemed panel mates. And Delna Bryan, please say hello to the people. Greetings to one and all across the globe from Dallas. This is Delna Bryan. And Lori Whaley, please say hello to the people. Hello, everyone. I'm Lori Segal Whaley, and I'm in from the state of Washington. Well, tonight's topic is one that we have been waiting for. One that is so necessary one that is so earth-shattering especially in today today's date is march 17 2022 why do i say that because there are things that are going on in the world that will either make history or discontinue life as we know it with that being said we're going to do our part and that is spreading hope for students so tonight's topic is spreading hope for students during COVID-19. Because of COVID-19, teachers and leaders must change the way students interact by helping them become more mindful about selflessness. Setting clear expectations, goals, and tracking their impact while learning. In martial instructions, speaking about martial arts, it is essential that you exercise patience during lessons. When teaching, take it one step at a time. Martial arts instruction is vital because not only all students can learn fast or learn four moves at a time, Teachers should know how to establish a classroom climate. Why? Because that fosters that learning, that fosters that equity, that fosters that spirit of excellence. Tonight's topic is spreading hope. Why do we want to spread hope? Spreading hope is necessary when facing the high level of challenges that have tragically been exposed since the onset of COVID-19. In short, low proficiency scores have rocked the traditional public schools. As a percentage of students enrolled in the choice programs, 62% students tested a basic or below basic for math. 12% were proficient in math and only 2% were advanced. So if you have a class as a classroom teacher, if you have a class of maybe 160, 163 students, only 2% of them scored advanced. 60, uh, 62% of them tested basic or they did not meet the standard at all. So we know that U.S. students from low-income families, unfortunately, are unperforming. Their peers overseas. So. Yes, in general, poverty and factors correlated with low family income are strongly 
related to low test scores. This is information we already knew, but tonight we're going to talk about giving hope across the board, culturally, economically, geographically, and socially. First, you know, I want to I want to ask Laura Whaley, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing currently in the world today. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Isaiah. Um, my name is Lori Sagawa Whaley. I am a third-generation Japanese-American and a descendant of the Samurai Warrior. I grew up in the 60s, so I'm a baby boomer, and faced a lot of bullying and racial prejudice because we were at war with Japan one time. And I didn't know I was different until my classmates told me I was. And they, I hated being Japanese, but then through circumstances and finding out more about it, and actually uh, several accidents, I was diagnosed with traumatic brain injury and reading at a seventh grade level. But I didn't want to stay at that place. So I just bought my way back, worked my way back, over a thousand appointments to get better. And I found that the samurai lived by a code of ethics that they were willing to live, to die, and pledge their sacred honor to. And that includes courage, integrity, benevolence, respect, honesty, honor, and loyalty. And the theme of the samurai is to never give up and always do your best. And being raised on the farm, that's how I was raised. You always do your best and you never give up. So there's always hope. And no matter what situation you are, there's always a way to improve. There's a way to find out more. Um, if you have a goal, there's someone else on the other side that wants to help you meet that goal. Say your goal is to become uh, in better shape, lose weight. There are people that will help you with nutrition and exercise and diet. So the world is full of people that there are problems and solutions you could you might be a solution for somebody and then somebody else might be a solution for you but we need each other and especially during this time uh, unprecedented time where things that we knew and were you were the normal to us were almost like getting the rug pulled out from under us but we need to be resilient and learn how to how to weather the storm? How did how did they do it? How do you do it? And I just look to my samurai ancestors and my parents and how they went through World War II and all the prejudice they faced. I just gleaned a lot of information and a lot of hope from from them, and that's what I teach others about through storytelling, coaching, and uh, puppetry. I teach I teach Japanese morals through uh, puppets, and also a life coach. See, when when you were talking, I thought about the other panelists that are on the panel tonight because you used the word that I love. I love this word. For for me, tenacity and resiliency are twins. Um, mm -hmm. But we have we, we have two panelists on with us here tonight that are are both of that. You know, they they, they embody both of those attributes. Uh, I, I want to go to Delta Bryant real quick because as you were speaking, I thought about her. And, and when we came back to school, it was like never before. 
and we never saw this before. And so, you know, Governor Brown, what what are you doing uh, currently? Because I, I know you are very selflessness. I mean, you are the selflessness characteristic that I was talking about. You are a selfless person. Um, you are a mindful person. You are all about uh, being equitable across the board. And so, with that being said, what do you got going on currently, Miss Governor Brown? Delma Bryan is currently at a middle school, a choice school, an all-boys school in Dallas, Texas. And I felt that I was brought here for a reason. There is a need. I started my career in New Orleans at St. Augustine High School, an all-boys private school, and I'm going the full swing back to helping these young men become the citizens that we need for tomorrow. I am also Panamanian American and it's not easy because I was brought up to think that every generation should be better than the previous one. And that is something I am trying to instill in my students because we are at an inner city school where some of them might have lost hope. So I have to bring that back to them. I have to focus them back onto getting that faith and that hope that they can achieve, they can be successful, and that's what I'm doing at Young Men's Leadership Academy in Dallas. Shameless plug, shameless plug. Let me go to, uh, first of all, I want to thank all the panelists that are here tonight. And uh, I'm so excited. I'm on the edge of my seat, as you can uh, probably uh, see or, or feel. But so let me let me go to Buddy Thornton real quick because I'm going to ask you a question. Right? Um, we, we talked about mindfulness. We talked about that selfless service, which I think to be selfless, you got to be long suffering. You got to be able to pour yourself out like water and what I mean by that is you gotta be humble you have to pour yourself out like water because water is the most humblest thing in nature it, it will go anywhere anywhere you pour it water will shape itself if you pour it in the cracks of the ground it will seep through the cracks of the ground so I want to ask you a question in all sincerity Buddy Thornton, the Positive Social Change Agent Pro. We call you the Positive Social Change Agent Pro for a reason. What are some ways teachers can identify goals for achieving that mindfulness we talked about? That selflessness we talked about? And how can they track how can they how can they track the impact while meeting these diverse students across the board? Because when I say across the board, I'm thinking equity. 
how can they do it? What are some ways? Where do we start? What do we sustain? What do we do? That's my first question for tonight. I appreciate the prompt, Isaiah. The first thing a teacher has to do is they have to look inside. No teacher goes into a classroom ever thinking that they want any child to do anything but succeed. But for a teacher to do that, a teacher has to understand that they have to embody leadership. Because a child is sitting in front of them and they're looking for a role model, something they may not have at home, especially in a diverse classroom where you may have children who are being raised by a single grandparent, or you may have children who are being raised as a foster child, or you may have children who are being raised by an aunt or an uncle because they don't have any other family members. There are a lot of different quote unquote types of families in the American diaspora, and we have to accept that. But as a teacher, we have to first take on the mantle of being a leader and a role model. And we have to look these children in the eye and we have to say, tell me where you're at. Tell me where you're at. And tell me what you need. Because what I'm gonna give you in return is a roadmap that's gonna allow you to achieve three very important things, starting today and leading into the future. I'm gonna teach you how to look inside yourself I'm going to teach you how to achieve individual success because nothing else can start until we start within ourselves. We have to gather ourselves. We have to understand what our life is all about. We have to develop a very strong voice and be able to speak for ourselves. And once we can do that, we have to be able to identify the passion within ourselves. And we have to understand where we want that passion to lead us. And it doesn't matter if we're dealing with middle school, high school, college. They all need this touch. When Coach John Wooden started every new year with a new team, the first thing he did in the first day was he had every one of the people on the court learn how to tie their shoes. He didn't assume that the people who had been there before knew how to tie their shoes. He started from ground zero and built from the ground up. And that's what we have to do with each one of these children. We have to treat them all exactly the same because they come from so many diverse backgrounds that they have to see that we are gonna treat them as equals. We have to give them the dignity of equity up front. Because what that's gonna do, it's gonna let them be an individual within a group. And as they start to develop individual success, the group is gonna have success. And what that's gonna create is it's gonna create a culture in the classroom that's gonna have cohesion. And they're gonna to start to care about each other. And when you say mindfulness, when one of them starts to fall a little bit behind, one of the better students is gonna pick up the pace. And they're gonna, the teacher can say, would you mind helping her a little bit today? You're a little bit ahead and I know she can get caught up if you give her just a little bit of your time. And because they've got that individual success in their head and they say, you know what, she's just like me. I don't want her to fall behind. They're gonna do that. What you're teaching them is you're teaching them how to rely on three very important things. And Vygotsky was the model for this. Vygotsky put this together. He put this together in a way that allowed us to see that you can depend on the self. 
and you can depend on process and you can depend on a trusted other and who's a closer trusted other than a classmate or a more knowledgeable other the teacher in the room the adult in the room who do you go to when you get confused when you get a little bit lost you take that mindfulness and the selflessness and you put it all in one big, great, big bowl and you all of a sudden have an open environment where the kids all talk to each other. But you brought in hope. Let's talk about hope for a minute. And I, I don't want to go off track. This is very, very important. Hope is not a modern idea. Hesiod is an ancient Greek from 6th century B.C., he gave us Pandora's box, a story from ancient antiquity. He didn't write it, he didn't invent it. All he did was put it down to where we would have it in our memory banks. But it's a tale that was repeated over and over again from ancient antiquity. When Pandora's box was opened, all the evils were let out into the world. But there was one thing that was put in there by God, and that was hope. And why was hope the one good thing that was put in there by God? Because hope by itself is enough to offset all of the evil in the world. Now, hope is a twin coin. It's just like the Tao of chaos and order. Hope can be good as long as you work with it, as long as you're industrious, as long as you're determined, as long as you persist. But hope can also be bad. If you just depend on hope to get you through, if you're just lazy and you just wait for something to happen, that's bad hope. We don't want to teach these kids bad hope. We want to teach them good hope, that if you're industrious and you work hard, hope is going to follow you and it's going to be on your shoulder and it's going to drive your success. So what we're teaching them not only is mindfulness and selflessness, but we're teaching them servant leadership and we're teaching reciprocity. Today I'm going to help you. Tomorrow you're going to help me. That's the ultimate human virtue not just a student virtue not just a teaching virtue it's the ultimate human virtue sharing one's gift so what will i ask you if you do this in your classroom what will tomorrow look like that was so so good you know it was good too don't you you know it was good i don't even have enough time to unpack everything that you said Bogaski, look at you reciprocal teaching strategies okay that was so that was so noted and it was so on time to reciprocate hope that's an answer for me that's an answer how do we reciprocate hope we have to give we have to let the children know hey ask questions a ask questions and we want you to predict what could happen Wow, I'm, I'm not going to go into that. I know you're pulling me into that direction. We're going to stay on the spreading hope topic tonight. Buddy Thornton, thank you so much for adding so much value to this podcast. I, I'm so, you know, for tonight, I believe we're going to unlock some hidden powers. We're going to unlock some hidden powers through a vivid, like you just did, this vivid expression of what hope should look like in the classrooms. I want to go to, based off of what you just said, I want to go to Donna Bryant. I want to go to Ms. Bryant because you talked about some key things that 
We need experience from because you know you could be the smartest person in the room, but someone with experience, someone with experience, it, it's something that you can't have because experience came from long suffering. Experience came from grace. Experience came from faith. Experience came from hope. With that being said, Ms. Donna Bryan, I want to ask you a question. How do, based off which, first off, as far as what was just said, what are your thoughts about what was just said as it relates to those, those mindfulness goals, right, for, for our students and, and, and our teachers and the impact that it will have on meeting all our students, especially those in diverse, uh, especially our diverse students. What was your thoughts about that, what he just said? I would agree with everything that Buddy Thornton just said. But there's another element that I instill in my students. I instill in them brotherhood. We are all brothers. And I am my brother's keeper. When I look on his face, I am seeing a greater person. And I would not want my brother to fall. I get them, first of all, because they have been home for a while, where they did not have some guidance. They're coming back after months at home with no proper supervision. I have to get them believing in themselves. And I spell out the word believe. And let them know that the be and believe is to better themselves. Each person is going to be better. The E is for encourage. You are going to encourage your brother. There is no such thing as bullying. There is no such thing as laughing at your brother. I teach them spoonerism. They might be reading and somebody mispronounced. No, they did not mispronounce anything. It's just that one sense is working faster than the other. So what are you to do? You are to use the word believe and remember the E is to encourage. The L is for love. And I always get a laugh out of them when I say you have to love each other. I ask them, who do they love? Who do they rank at home that they love? Some talk about mother or father or grandmother or who, okay. You also have to love your brother in this classroom. The I 
is the word inspire. And that is in my classroom. You're going to inspire your brother at all times. The E is to educate. So I'm a Spanish teacher, but I go beyond teaching Spanish. I have to. I cannot just teach the language. I am teaching the whole child. We made passports. And their passports, every Thursday, they share what country they're going to. And we talk about, they have an outline, who are they traveling to that country with, what they're doing, and the others ask questions about that country. I have already modeled it each time. We read a story about the war of the alligators. So we went down the Amazon River for that. That coincided by accident with the carnivals in Brazil. So we talked about that. The V in the word believe, going back to the word believe, is to validate each other as brothers. And the E is to energize each others. So there's no way I am gonna put my brother down if I always think of the brotherhood I have in this room and how I get each of them to believe in themselves. I know as teachers sometimes we can become overwhelmed. We can become fearful, but fear is not of supposedly us. It's not instilled by God in us. Then you have a network of teachers you can go to, you can talk to, to help you help this child achieve, help this child become successful. We have to read more and you have to instill that love of reading in your students. You have to support them in their readings. You have to show them why reading is important. We know the saying that to whom much is given, much is required. And as teachers, much is required of us. My brothers and my students, I always instill in them that they should study. We talk about life beyond the middle school. We were talking about how Dr. Martin Luther King graduated from high school when he was 15. And they all found out, oh, well, that's my eighth graders, that's Two years more, I would, how did he do it? Let's 
find out. They were amazed that you could skip grades. So I shared with them the grades that I had skipped when I was in school. I shared with them what it's like to have concurrent admissions. We have choice schools now in Dallas where they can have concurrent admissions. These are things that you have to teach your students. These are things that you have to instill in them. And if there's a little brother in the room who is not receptive because they all do not pick up on the same thing at the same time, they're going on to another class with this person. They can explain it a little farther. They also know that they can come to see me the minute I get to school at 7.15, 7.30 every morning. I'm there. Some come in earlier. The bus lets them off. They come in. They also know they can come after school. We get out of school at 25 minutes to 5. They let their parents know that they're staying a few minutes later. And they come see and we have a talk. It's something you cannot purchase. Though it costs. But it's something that you have to experience. Let me go to Lori. Wait. <laughs> you know, I, I want to ask you because you are a samurai warrior and you are you come from the descendants of samurai. And yeah. and this is something that is so rich. The culture is so is so bitterly rich. Uh they have gone through so many dynasties. Uh, they have gone through so many different types of political, economic, geographical, and social platforms. Uh, it's just, in one podcast, we're not going to be able to get everything, but let me ask the question, how do you, um, how, how do ancient Japanese folk tales help spread hope in the different classroom settings where you entertain. And, and we, we want to walk with you tonight. We want to see it through your eyes, through your lens. And we, we promise we're, we're going to listen to you as you guide us, as you give us our, your guidance, and as you show us from your point of view how Japanese folktales help spread hope in our communities? Well, I love that question because I stand on the shoulders of my samurai ancestors. And I'm here to share their wisdom with you. But when I do the Japanese folk tales, I choose the ones that have a good moral to it. It can't be about the battles and all this other types of things, or shall we say, it's just a tale, but mine always have a good moral to it. For instance, there were two brothers that lived in Japan, and they were to take care of their their mother. And one was industrious, hardworking, and kind, and the other one was lazy and 
uh, greedy and snarly, and he wouldn't work to help. And so I, I portray the two, two, the two young men, and one day the young man was so discouraged because there was no money. The other brother stole it all. So he thought, well, I'm going to go and take some, get some wood in the, in the fields and country and take it to town, and everybody's going to buy it. And so he had this plan to do it. He chopped wood, and he went into town. He was so excited, spread his word out, and he would say, Hi, Irashai, Minasan, come here. Everybody come here. And nobody, everybody walked by, and he was so discouraged. So he packs his wood up and he goes back home and he doesn't know what he's going to do because he has no money for his mother. And then by chance, well, shall we say this is, as the story goes, he's crying by the river and he goes, I don't know what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden, a, a turtle comes by and goes, I'm the singing turtle. And he talks with him and he goes, you're in trouble, aren't you, buddy? He goes, yeah, I just don't have money to pay. I just need to help my poor mother, but my brother, brother just steals anything. Well, I can help you. I'm the singing turtle. And he goes into town. Now, just come with me, and I'll show you how. So they go into town, and the singing turtle goes, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Barely, 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 life is but a dream. And the people just start gathering around. And he goes, oh, and I know more. And he sings the Japanese uh, folk um, it's funny, as he sings the frog tail, goes, Kaeru no uta ga, kikoe te kuru yo. Gua, 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 gua. Gero, 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 gua, gua, gua. And so everybody in the town started throwing money, and they gathered it up, and he was so happy, so they purchased some food for the mother. And he and the singing turtle goes with him home, and they go, Hi, we're home. Kadai, Mom, we're home. And so he gives food to the mother, and she was, oh, so happy. And then he knew that he had somebody that was there to help him. But... The other brother, the lazy brother, heard about it, and it was a battle between the good and the bad and the good. And fun. unfortunately, the bad took over, and he takes the turtle and goes, we're going to go into town. You're going to make money, and you're going to give it back to me. So they, they, the next day, they did that. And he goes into town, and he starts, you know, hitting the turtle shell, and he goes, sing for him, sing for him. And the turtle just kept retreating and retracting. He goes, sing, sing, sing. And everybody booed because the turtle wouldn't sing. And so they ran him out of town. And the turtle goes back to the, to, uh, the nice brother and the mother. And he tells us the story. And he goes, but I like you. I want to help you. I want to help earn money so that you can live happily ever after. And so they did. They lived happily ever after. But as far as the other brother, nobody knows what happened to him. So my tales just always have a good story to it, a good moral to it. And, and I ask the children, what, is, what do you learn from this? And they go, be nice, be kind. It's better than being mean. <laughs> so they get the message that kindness and love go a long way. So a, I do love to uh, share my Japanese folk tales, use a little bit of my Japanese language and all the stories that I tell are good and they have a good moral to it, but they also learn and have fun at the same time. You know, we need so much more. Oh, go ahead. Please, please continue. Oh, I was just going to say good morals never go out of style. And I love everything that Buddy and Delna said about Coach Wooden and Martin Luther King. You know, 
Coach Wooden said, if when I stopped learning, I stopped living. <laughs> and learning should be a lot. And that's what uh, the common trait of wealthy people, they never stop learning. Successful people, there's always something to learn. I say amen to that. I want to open up the panel before I do. Let me just come in a little bit about what you said. It was so much and it was so rich. And, and people that don't understand that the history of Japan, uh, just, you know, it's just, you need to go and, and do some research. You need to do some study. You need to do some reading. And because the history of Japan is so, so vast and it's so, the literature mm -hmm. is so rich. You know, especially yeah. with the, that was just one of a million folk tales, right? About characteristics, about character, right? And it's like, yeah. for me, I remember when you started speaking. I, I remember being at the campfire at like a summer camp because I was I was privy I was privy to go to summer camps. Though I come from a very um, I would say disadvantaged um, socioeconomic environment. But because I was gifted with music and arts, I, I got invited to summer camps, right? And this was like back in like the the early nineties and the late eighties. And so at these summer camps, they I, I, I experienced Japanese folk tales. And oh. as a kid, right? Yeah, and as as a kid. As a kid, I loved it. I mean, you know, you got Bruce Lee that was like, everybody knows him, right? But you know, for, for his fighting, not his philosophy, but I, I was experiencing so much of that and, and it helped us become disciplined. And so yeah. that's why I have to open up the panel because I want to know, you know, what the panelists are, you know, based off what you just said. You know, what is their, I guess, interpretation or what are their thoughts about what you just said? I want to, the panel was open. Talk about what they thought about or what they felt as Lloyd uh, Whaley was speaking. Who wants to talk about that? My father's still with us. He's 92, and he was in the Occupation Army of Japan after World War II. And the only thing he ever talked about was the honor and the respect that the Japanese citizens paid everyone they ever encountered on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. They were never shy about demanding and giving honor and respect. And he raised all of my siblings and I under that code because he believed that it was superior to anything that Americans were experiencing even back in the 50s and 60s. And I think that when you start looking at what we have in today's society and what she brought to the table, we have to instill a sense of cross-cultural pride and that it doesn't matter what your origin story is, it doesn't matter who you are, what the color of your skin is, there is a story somewhere out there, somewhere on the globe, some indigenous culture, some tribal experience that is either superior or will resonate with you that will make you realize that you can be special, that you can make a difference and that you need to just hold your head up high and be who you are meant to be. That That's the takeaway that I get. Oh, I love that. Oh, I, listen, I want to ask Donald Brown a question because... 
All right, I'm just gonna, I know the panel was open, but I have to ask this question. Ms. Bryan, do you mind if I ask you a question before we go we'll back to open ahead. up the panel? Go ahead. Okay, perfect. Perfect. So, based off what we just said, based off what Wes said, how do you include as many real-world experiences into your lesson plan? Right? And oh, we know we want... I mean, and, and we know that sometimes the settings can change, especially during COVID-19. Let's be real. These settings are not positive. They're not, they're not the effective settings that we have been accustomed to, especially depending on your demographic. So how do you include these real-world experiences and examples to help spread hope to your, to your students? in your classrooms. That's, that's my question for you. To look at the real world, you have to be aware of what is going on in the real world. You have to look at explaining it to that student at their level. The story has a morale to it. It has a meaning to it. Whatever it is you're reading, you will bring it back home to touch that child's life. To let that child know that there's more beyond. You're going to teach that child how to fish. To be able to fish for the rest of his or her life. Let us look at what is going on in the world today. I'm not a social studies teacher, but I can bring, they asked me what was NATO. So we look it up. How many countries are in NATO. We looked it up. We talked about it. We talked about their flags. We talked about their currency, what have you. And all of a sudden, they were able to choose a country and they role played being a NATO country. I cannot talk about the violence, but I can talk about what they're seeing on television and bringing it home to them in the classroom. What is it like to be a child walking from one country to another? My sixth graders were astounded because someone had read about an 11 year old doing that. And this person said, oh, I'm 11, and I don't think I could do that. Another one asked, why not? So right away, you are bringing the real world into their classroom and getting them to stop and think, what is it like? How can I think of my brother because again who is your brother not necessarily the person with your blood only 
your brother might be this person in another country thousands of miles away. But you can bring that real world into the classroom very easily by knowing, knowing your students. You look at what is being said and you look at their body language. And their body language will let you know whether they're being receptive to what is going on or not. There is so much more to discuss on how do we reach our students in different cultures, in different demographics. This is not a one-time topic. We will need different episodes of this. Thank you for I thinking agree. on it. Oh, thank God. I, I, I agree. Who, who's next? Who's next? Thank you, Donna Bryan. That was awesome. I agree that, I think that it would be great to... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I agree that this, this conversation could continue. I would love to be part of it. And I just gleaned so much for, from Buddy and you, Delma and Isaiah. It was, it was wonderful. And we all have a part. And I, I think of our, I tell, I used to work in the prison, the women's prison. And I used to say we're all um, a piece of the puzzle. And if one piece is missing, everybody loses out. So we all need to find out what our gift to the world is because our gift will help not only help us, it'll help other people. I love it. Buddy, I know you got something. What you got? I think that a lot of people miss out on the perspective of the students. What the students are looking for is a roadmap. And each one of them is looking for a different roadmap because each one of them is unique. And Delon is right. We could talk about this for the next year and we would never scrape even the top of the stew off the pan. We really, really have to understand that teachers have an incredibly difficult job because they have to have a relationship with each student that allows them to peek inside and see what hope looks like for each student. And if we can just make a tiny little bit of difference and help a teacher give some form of hope to even one student, one day at a time, we've made a big difference. This was another impactful night of the Impact Education Leadership. Good night. Facebook, Instagram, 